There we go. There we go. All right, that took a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. But hey, we're finally there. All right. It is 8 o'clock. I've got a couple of beers. Mm-hmm. I think we're ready to do this. Welcome we to Talking Heads, everyone. Episode 238, your once-week live show for the latest in beer and tech news. I'm Jeff. Are, are you Steve? I am Steve. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had a weird audio thing that just happened right there. <laughs> I'm Jeff. And I'm Steve. That's nice. <laughs> there we go. Usually I'm on cue on that, but that was just really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Wednesday night or in podcast form over on Anchor.fm or wherever your podcasts are found. If you've never seen the show before, we talk beer, we talk tech, we talk games, pop culture, entertainment, usually some Star Trek. All Super usually. Chats are read on the air so long as they will not permanently demonetize the channel. Uh, we do drink alcohol on the show, and if you're drinking mm-hmm. along with us, alcoholic or not, let us know in the early show chat, and we will give some shout-outs as we go along. Last but not least, if you'd like to take part in the super-secret chat and the even more super-secret after-party, think about joining the Patreon. Link is down in the video description. As a bonus, you'll get exclusive access to the Discord server, where you can chat with myself, John, Rhett, Steve, and all the other hosts from Talking Heads, not that there are any, uh, <laughs> and take part in the awesome community that hangs out there all week long. Welcome okay. to the show. Yeah. You got that intro down packed. It, it's getting no, there. No no cue cards or nothing. You just got it. I, right I got there. it now. I got it. Yeah, now. you got it. Yeah. You can rattle that sucker off. You close that cue <laughs> card. Okay, there we yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh yeah, I mean, it only took me 238 episodes, but yeah, but I know you finally it. got it now. Yeah, that's you know repetition. You yeah. know, after after a couple of repeating things, it's when you become an expert. You know? Yeah, I mean, they, they say 10,000 hours, and at this point, you know, we're you know, well, I haven't said it that many times. But. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe in front of the mirror, you said it, you know, right before the show, 10,000 times, you know, right, right. You know, just to hype yourself up. Yep. <laughs> Oh, how you doing tonight, Steve? I, I'm actually doing pretty dang good. Um, yeah, usually, you know, sometimes I feel a little rough around the edges. You know, it's the middle of the work week. But, you know, I have to say today, it's a pretty good day. Nice. Always nice to have those. Yeah. It's been a long day, but a, a very productive couple of days for mm-hmm. me. Uh, yeah, we uh, got a lot done here production-wise the last two days. Yeah. Um, filmed i think two complete videos and scripted another two and like nice like things are moving things are happening things are going it's yeah yeah the 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 machine is running the machine is finally running yeah so yeah no things have been and you uh, didn't didn't have to fire red or anything right not yet not yet not yet had to write him up a couple of times okay yeah (laughs) termination pending you know yeah (laughs) one one more warning yeah (laughs) you blow up that bathroom one more time after i walk in Ah, final warning. <laughs> well, he only gets one bathroom break a day. You know. Oh, so oh okay, all right. You got <laughs> You got to warn him to clean up, clean up his collection of pee bottles under his desk. Then, huh? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was the biggest. Like, at least put a lid on him. Come yeah, on, at least put a lid. I mean, those are, they fall over and they get everywhere. It's yeah. Just, you know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, we finally come to the best part of every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, what are you drinking tonight? I have something a little different. Um, I was kind of a bit of a lazy guy. I didn't really go to the liquor store and uh, 
get any new beers. So I was kind of rummaging through my fridge, uh, looking for what I have that I think I may not have had on the show tonight. One I know we absolutely have not had because I don't even know what it is. Ah. I have mystery beer. <laughs> well, Absolute there you go. <laughs> no label. Green top with green nothing top. on it. It's it's. I have no idea what this is. If there's chunks of strawberry in it, I think I know where it it's came not, from. It looks a little hazy. So I think it's a homebrew. Yeah, um, almost positive is, but I'm not too sure if I got it from John or if it's one of mine or if it's from a friend. <laughs> so I got mystery beer. I'm gonna try opening this up first. Yeah, because if it sucks, I want to immediately open up something else. <laughs> you want to pivot to right, something exactly. else. Yes, exactly. That, that's so, always a great strategy. We'll see. This will be entertaining. Um, second of all. I'm not too sure if I had this one, but I really enjoy this one. This is the Monkless Four Devils. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a Belgian style golden ale. Absolutely delicious. I've had it before, and nice. I look forward to drinking it every single time. And then this one, um, it's from Single Cut. It is a uh, pastry stout, which is like uh, got I think vanilla, chocolate, and milk sugars. So it's kind of a standard bourbon barrel aged pastry stout. Nice. But I'll give it a shot and see how it is. Yeah, single cut's usually pretty solid. Yeah, that's, I, I like single cut too. So yeah. and this is probably one of our standard ones. And uh, I've never had it, so I'm going to see if I like it. Yeah. Uh, so I've got two beers that I've never had before. Never ever, mm -hmm. not even just on the show. Oh. Uh, one of them is from a newer Portland brewery. They opened in 2020. The mm. best time to open a new brewery. Yes, of course. Um, Good timing on those guys. Right. Uh, this is from Second Profession Brewing. It is Never the Space Flamingo mm. Hazy IPA. No. Oh. Uh, 7.5%. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the can art. Just Yeah, it looks good. Very simple with a flamingo with an astronaut helmet on. Matches your shirt, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean... <laughs> Almost exactly. There you go. Wow. Yeah. That's dead on. I didn't even think of it. Yeah. No, it's like <laughs> literally the same color. <laughs> this is my uh my Boimler uh lower deck shirt. Oh yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's one of my favorites. It's, yeah, it's a good I'm, one. I'm 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 helping I'm repping John a little bit. Repping John, yeah. yeah. I'm repping John a little bit there. Nice. Yeah. Uh so yeah, uh Space Flamingo Hazy IPA. And second off, I have a uh beer that got off a boat recently. Uh, and that is uh, from Nognae, uh, oh. from Norway. Norway. Uh, this is an imperial brown ale. Oh. Uh, now, they're using imperial lightly because it's only seven and a half. It's not eight. So it's not technically yeah, it's imperial. Not, not the U.S. imperial. <laughs> it's not the U.S. imperial, but um, it is still a pretty heavy, hard-hitting brown ale. Mm -hmm. uh, so... I'm really not sure which one I want to drink first because I know the hazy probably needs to be cold and mm -hmm. the brown needs to be warm, but I yeah. kind of want to start with Try the brown that. cold to get the whole now, evolution. Is is the brown a bomber? Is it is it 22 uh, ounces? Or? It's uh, 16.5, I think. Okay. It, it's 500 okay, so mil. So, okay. yeah. Okay. 16.9. Yeah. It's the weird, odd European size. Yeah. I think I'm going to start with the hazy, and I think I'm going to okay. put the uh, the brown back in the fridge. So if you want to go ahead and open your first one, I'll be back. I'm going like to do mystery seconds. beer. I am actually curious to see if this even um, has any carbonation, because it has been sitting in the fridge for quite some time, and I just always <laughs> avoided it because I, I wasn't too sure what it was. So here, I'll put my microphone close to it. N no 
<laughs> no hissing. Ooh, I don't know, man. I think I might be. Uh, I think I might be switching up here in a second. Uh, the color looks good. Pull it up a little higher. There you go. A little bit. Little bit of. Uh, I can't tell if there's any carbonation or not. It looks a little I mean, bubbly. It looks a little, little bubbly. bubbly, but no, yeah. no head, no yeah. head. But it's got some clarity to it, so it's nice. Yeah. It doesn't smell bad. Well, that's always a good sign. Oh. <laughs> it's not okay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a telltale sign of a beer that's been sitting around too long. Yeah. It's got that overly sweet um sickly malt flavor to it right that that yeah. sickly almost nutty malt flavor yes yes, yeah. yes that's what this is so this is way past it's uh it's not spoiled yeah but it doesn't taste good yeah um so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna set this over here somewhere i'll be right back <laughs> set that aside uh i'm gonna go ahead and open up my uh space flamingo hazy okay. ipa so, all right oops of course i turned to the wrong camera there we go you all can see it. And I take this back. I did have this beer last week. Uh, oh, yeah. But uh, not on camera. So. Mm -hmm. so I have had this one once before. But overall, pretty good looking hazy. Is it good? Yeah, no, it's nice. Yeah. Pretty colors. Acceptable. I'm just going to go for the Belgian. There you go. Yeah, I'm just, that was, that was, um, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you swing and sometimes yeah, you miss. Exactly. Exactly. I have actually had a friend of mine gave me, um, a Lambic that he had been cellaring for a while. Mm -hmm. Now, Lambics are ones that you can cellar. Uh, and yes. he said he'd been selling it for like about five years Wow, and it was absolutely delicious. Um, so I know like aged home brews can be good. Yeah, that one was uh, that one was not. <laughs> All right, we do have a couple shout-outs to get to. Um, uh, Orkin wants to know: Have we ever tried Quack beer? I've never even heard of Quack beer. K W A K. I think I have heard of that. It is um, K W A K. I think that sounds familiar. While you're looking it up, I'm going to get a couple more in. Uh, Michael's drinking a Pipeworks Brewing NVU uh, versus the Haze Imperial IPA. Uh, 8% and a 4.16 on untapped. Oh, yeah. Uh, World Peace is drinking a Kroger brand generic Dr. Pepper, which is my favorite version of generic Dr. Pepper. Mm -hmm. Uh, mainly because it's just so cheap. Uh, you can still get it for like three or 3.50 a 12 pack. Uh, let's see. Uh, Super Sherman, uh, just a Pepsi here for a drink. Uh, Dom Hoots drinking a just run with it dry hopped sour IPA by my local R and R Brewing. Mm, nice. Uh, Reverend's got an Elysian Dank Dust. Oh, Dank Dust is good. Dank but Dust man, is very dust good. Stinks. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Jeffrey is drinking a Smirnoff Peach Nips. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, uh, Jason's having a diet, Doctor Pepper. Uh, let's see. Got time for a couple more. <laughs> Rep playing Morrowind on the job again, Isaac says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on and off the job. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Build from above. has got an 805 tonight. Nice. It's also a fantastic one. Yeah. 
Very cool. Yeah, I looked up the quack. Actually, that's why it sounded familiar. It's a it's a Belgian uh, Belgian ale, hmm. and I remember having it a long time ago, and I remember enjoying it. Because uh, when I first ventured into you know craft beer and stuff like that, my very first love was uh, porters. I loved porters, and then my second was Belgian style. Because mm-hmm. come on, it's delicious. It's yep. just <laughs> absolutely delicious. And and I had that way back when, and I remember liking it. But it's been a long time since I've had it. I should go up to John's Marketplace. I know they have it there because I remember seeing it there before. Um, so I should go get it up there next time. Nice. I'd yeah. actually like to try that too. It's it's good, if I remember right. It's yeah. really good. Uh, Tech Geek sends over a $25 super chat. Thank you very much, good sir. Uh, Evening, Jeff and Steve, or Lord Minister El Polo Diablo, if you're also an ordained minister. I am not, but... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he'll take the title. I'll take it. It's yeah. about as valid as John's is. Uh, switched work hour, so I'll get to say the whole show this time. Cream soda this time around, so cheers to you both. Nice. I, lo- I love me a, green, a good cream soda. Oh, yeah, good cream soda. Good stuff. All right. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Let's do it. Uh, starting with, I don't cover... Well, I shouldn't say that. I do like to cover some more off-the-wall hardware announcements mm-hmm. that that will oftentimes just get like dropped through the cracks, especially stuff that is more workstation-oriented, mm-hmm. um, especially because it seems like high-end desktop systems are kind of on their way out. And as someone who uses a lot of PCI Express lanes... Mm-hmm. starting to consolidate some of those multiple cards is very high on my list. Uh, I mean, I've got two capture cards, a 10 gig network card, uh, three NVMEs. Um, I think something else. There's something else in here too. I don't even remember what it is. Uh, and then obviously my graphics card. I've, I'm filling like every single slot yeah. in my X299 creation motherboard from MSI. Um like it's just I use a lot of things and and I'm sorry, but sixteen or twenty four PCI Express lanes isn't going to get it done. Yeah, you can game right. on a twelve nine hundred K or a fifty nine fifty X. Yeah, that's but, fine. Because you're just gaming. Right. But it's stretching the rest of my use to its absolute yeah. limit. Mm-hmm. Uh well Sonnet may have a solution now. Sonnet is known for a lot of these kind of oddball solutions or um conglomeration cards, as, as I kind of like to call them. Uh, they have recently released, or announced at least, um, the Allegro Pro USB-C PCI Express uh, 3.2 Gen 2 card. Uh, what this is, is a PCI Express uh, daughter board mm-hmm. that breaks out into four external facing USB-C connections four internal facing USB-C connections, all 3.2 Gen 2, so 10 gigabit uh, USB-C, all of them full bandwidth. Uh, Oh, it also will hold an NVMe drive on board (laughs) and uh, and it connects to 10 gig networking, Uh, all in a a single card, in a single X16 card. Yeah. Like. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I need this. I need yeah. this so bad. <laughs> Although, you know, I have I have to say the the name Allegro with eight ports, I don't know why they didn't call it Octoportsy. Right. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> all eight ports are rear facing. Yeah, they're all rear facing. Yeah. Rear for, facing for some Octo- reason I had it in my head it was four and four. It, it, 
Oh yeah, no, no, it's all eight in the back. Yeah, uh, yeah there's all there's seat. also what looks like a header. Right, oh no, that's a okay. That's I think a that's for the NVMe, maybe. Yeah. Oh, that's that's right. Okay, yeah. But yeah, all in one card. Like I know, I saw that and I thought that's sweet, dude. Right. Like I, I'm unreasonably excited about this. <laughs> is there is there a price point on this thing yet? Uh, I'm sure there is. I don't think that I just don't know what it is. It. Uh, four hundred bucks. Oh, four hundred bucks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, a little, little of the pricey, but it, it's you know, nice. it's yeah. really not that bad when you think about it. Um, if for you what think, it does, yeah, for what it does, and if you think about, um, how many devices now are going to USB C? Uh, everything. I think they're Every- even. I think even i iPhones are starting to go USB C. How many? How many USB C ports do you have on your PC? Two, I think. <laughs> if you're lucky, you have two usually. <laughs> yeah, I, two, um, yeah. I had a PC that had four. It had uh-huh. one on board. It had one on the front for a header. And then it also Ooh. had, uh, uh, this was my, oh no, this is this PC. That's right. I have Thunderbolt on this PC. I have two additional USB-Cs on this PC. Oh, nice. Um, uh, on the XT99 creation board. Uh, but I have... A webcam, which is USB-C. I've got mm-hmm. a number of other devices. My, my audio interface is now USB-C. Um, wow. You know, and all the little things that I'm starting to get, it's like I'm running mm-hmm. out of USB-C, and, and I'm sorry, but hubs just aren't the most convenient solution sometimes. No, they aren't. Nor the most reliable, especially no. with 10 gig connections. So now it would be it would be nice if if this card had a way of making a front-facing panel as opposed to it being all rear. Because one thing I don't like doing is crawling down on my hands and knees and plugging in a bunch of USB plugs. <laughs> right, right. Now, having it in the front would be nice. Just right. know, plug it in the front would be nice. Um, honestly, this makes a lot of sense for... Um, John Jay asks, what's a real use scenario for this card, though? Um, honestly, for like a video rendering or video mm-hmm. editing input-output station, um, where yeah. you might have to dump multiple drives at a time. Um, on my cinema camera... Uh, my Zcam E2, mm-hmm. I record directly onto USB-C NVMe flash drives. Yeah. Um, and then I take those drives and I dump them onto my PC and then I edit the footage. Uh, if you are, uh, you know, a- an actual cinema house where you're not doing like one or two cards at a time, mm-hmm. but you're getting cards from six different film, you know, uh, six different video guys at the same time, and they all have to be dumped and and archived and and labeled yep. and metadata and whatnot. You need a solution to plug all those in. Yep. Uh, this is that solution. Yeah. Now it's not use case. Obviously, isn't for your everyday user, but it does have a use case. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a market for it. Um, yeah, like people who just build, you know. PCs for gaming or for you know your average developer or something like that probably is not going to need something like this. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. People who are doing a lot of uh, data transfer, huge data transfers, video, music, uh, that type of thing, people who need to plug in devices into the back of that to transfer it, definitely the device for them. Right. Especially if you rely on that full bandwidth connection. Um, full band and and yeah, like you said, with everything going USB C. Mm-hmm. Standardized format, finally. Let's right. hope so. Let's hope so. Um, <laughs> that seems to be the way to go because everything's kind of going in that direction. Uh, is the M.2 for buffering the transfers? It certainly could be. It certainly could be um, 
used in that way. Uh, right now, it's just an additional NVMe slot, uh, but it also gives you an additional NVMe slot, uh, which in some of my PCs, that's a card by itself. Uh, in my one of my servers, uh, I run uh, an NVMe cache drive off a pair of NVMe drives, and uh, it's it's an add-in card just on its own. If I had the option of doing NVMe plus adding some USB-C and I needed the USB-C, that's taking up one less slot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, probably a stupid question, but what does USB-C on a graphics card do? Because uh, I mentioned uh, yep. that I had a fifth USB-C on my PC because I have a 2080 and it has a USB-C port. USB-C port on it, yes. It um, actually, that's a great question. It was supposed, supposed mm -hmm. uh, to support VR headsets. Uh, that was pretty much the original intention of putting it on there, was to be a high bandwidth data and power cable uh, to support VR headsets. Um, now, the basic spec of it is still just USB-C. I believe the one in the graphics cards are 20 gig USB-C. Mm -hmm. um, they're the Gen 3.2, whatever. Um, they also just uh, support all of the DisplayPort and HDMI standards. And so actually my portable monitor right here that I use on Wednesdays is plugged into that USB-C port so I can get video out that's fully graphically rendered without software rendering or anything like that straight from my video card. Uh, it ended up not being used for pretty much any of that because none of the VR uh, hardware manufacturers adopted the technology. Uh, and honestly, at this point, headsets like the Oculus Quest and Oculus Quest 2 are kind of winning the market uh, with some more not quite as impressive as, as PC VR, but yeah. getting close to that immersiveness, uh, especially considering it's full wireless with six degrees of freedom and inside-out tracking. Mm -hmm. uh, I found the tethered VR is almost a non-starter anymore. Um, I have two Oculus Quest 2 headsets. I use them in my living room, streaming off my Wi-Fi 6 access point from my PC when I want to play PC games, or I just play directly on the Quest 2 for the games that support mm -hmm. it, like Blade and Sorcery, or yep. uh, you know a number of other games, uh, Superhot and Arizona Sunshine, and th these all have Oculus Quest 2 yep. ports. It just it just feels so much better when right. it's wireless like that. Yeah, right. Um, I, I spent way too many years with a with a ponytail yeah. <laughs> when playing oh, yeah. VR. And, and there's there's definitely an initial weight that comes with that yeah. cord that's attached. You feel it, and uh, you're so always aware of it. Yeah, you're all, well. Of course, yeah. You go too far, and you're like, bunk, uh, yanks you back, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's always there, and that was always the dream to have a really good wireless headset um, that gives you that kind of freedom, right? And uh, yes, you're right. The the Oculus is is definitely hitting that mark at the current uh, price point and accessibility. Yeah. Uh, is it the best headset? No, obviously it's not. But mass appeal is the one that's going to win the game, obviously. Right. And and honestly, even for high-end VR, it's still good it's enough. Yeah, I know. 
Oh yeah, I've, I've even some of the low end VR goggles are, are not that bad. I right. Mean, I was so, a I was a major fan of Windows Mixed Reality headsets. Yeah, I, the Mixed Reality ones fine. Yeah, I mean, the, for, the Lenovo Explorer, the Acer, yeah. the HP, they yeah. all did a, a fine job. And in fact, I used a Mixed Reality headset for over a year in favor of my uh, both my HTC Vive and mm-hmm. my uh, Pimax 5K. Mm-hmm because the convenience of it was so much better. Was it yeah. the worst experience among the three headsets? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't yeah, even close. You, were, you weren't tethered to anything. It didn't feel like you're in a confined space. It, it was, like that. it was yeah. a single lightweight cable. I was tethered still uh, with, okay. the, with the Windows Mixed Reality, yeah. but it was yeah. lightweight. It was USB only. There were no mm-hmm. tracker boxes to hang up right. or no lighthouses or anything like that. It was inside out tracking and was it the best? No, of course not. No. But it was the most convenient to set up in five minutes and start playing. Yeah. Regardless of what room I wanted to play in, regardless right. of if I took it somewhere, it would hook into a laptop and you could just start going. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus the HTC. My God, hanging the light, getting the lighthouses up, getting power to them, getting the sync cable between them if you have a oh, large yeah. enough environment that needs that, getting your play area defined, getting the controllers all synced up. and. It was 40 minutes to an hour sometimes, oh, yeah. even if yeah. I already had the the thing set up. Set up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you had to have a dedicated area for it and everything right. like that. It was like, oof, it's a lot. So, yeah, as soon as VR started going plug-and-play or full wireless, I, I haven't even touched my other headsets. I still have the Vive and, and the Pimax 5K, and they're really fun to play with. Uh, but what do I what do I game on? Oculus Quest 2. Mm-hmm. Convenience. Novella Hub says Talking Heads is turning into Battle of the Beards. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I, I kind of last... You're, you're last, letting yours uh, go too, yeah. I did. I let mine... I started like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm going to let mine go. I want to see how far I can take this. Um, and the wife likes it, so... There you go. It's not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm kinda letting mine go. Yeah, no, you yeah, I, I noticed yours is a bit longer too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it still doesn't connect here. Like I I've never yeah. been able to do See, the full goatee. I was I was doing that because I was I was noticing I was in the car in traffic and I was starting to do this. I was starting to twirl I I twirl I started, all the time. I started to twirl it and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, maybe I should pick up some wax mass mustache wax. Start start flipping them. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna start doing the the, the villain thing. Snally whiplash is my name. Yeah, see friends. Oh all right. Let's see. In other news. Uh, Intel, as of 14th Gen Core processors, will likely have an additional 851 pins that you can break. Yay! <laughs> oh, smaller, sorry. Bigger, guys. Sorry, a new socket, I mean. New uh, socket? Well, yeah, if you got more pins, you got to have a new socket. Right. Do you remember when we were on socket 775 and 771 mm-hmm. for Xeon? Mm-hmm. And even, like, the Xeon processors, like... Like the first generation of Xeons were on the 1366 socket, just like the i7 is the enthusiast platform. And then we went to like, holy crap, 2011. My God, what do you need that much bandwidth for? And and those were, you know, even in the time, the 
eight and possibly 12 core processor with Sandy Bridge. Um, and now we're talking about consumer boards having 2,500 pins. <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're getting up there. Yep. Yep. And um, this isn't this isn't the enthusiast. This is supposed to be their just standard too, right? This isn't this isn't their their Xeons, right? This is 14th gen core. This Des, is yeah, des, desktop processor. Consumer right. consumer, consumer platform. platform, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Am I geez. missing something? Did we skip over 13th? No, 13th gen is no. is going to be on the same what is it? LGA 1700. Yes. Yeah, um, it's not going anywhere. Right. And this isn't slated to be out till late next year, so we still have right. a ways. Uh, um, yeah, 13th gen will be out sometime later this year, likely Q4, mm -hmm. um, from what I'm hearing. Uh, and then 14th gen will likely drop sometime late next year. I wouldn't even be surprised if they pushed it to 2024, or yeah. um, you know, like a Q1 Five, yeah. 2024. Yeah, 2024. Yeah, sure. But. Uh, well, especially, I mean, you know, you never know how adoption rates are going to be mm -hmm. uh, with a whole new socket. You have to wait for motherboard manufacturers to put out the product, QA, testing, all that kind of stuff. You you never know. There could be delays in there. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that's like they're going bigger, going bigger, going home. Yeah. I welcome it so long as they give me some more goddamn PCI Express lanes. <laughs> more PCI Express lanes. Well, I mean, you know, with that big of a, you're going to have to have bigger coolers and everything and a little more space. Might might make uh, might make uh, smaller form factor cases a little harder to come by. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Harley sends over a $10 super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, I shaved my beard off for my mom. Then she decided she liked me better with facial hair. <laughs> yeah, see, that's another thing, too. It's like my son is used to me with facial hair so if i shave it off he probably won't even know who i am and he's probably gonna freak out uh, um, i don't want to traumatize the poor guy i've been married for 16 years yeah. um my chin has seen daylight once in that entire time <laughs> right uh and in fact we've been dating for 18 no Got 19 years this year. Holy shit. Uh, like, we've been together 19 years. And uh, uh, in that entire time, once have, have I once. have I shaved it. it it's been, she, it's she, been fairly tight before. It's been real. And she but, told you immediately to grow it back. <laughs> right. <laughs> that chin needs some shade. Yes. <laughs> yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm not going to be shaving anytime soon. Like I, I've, I've yeah. taken these off multiple times. In fact, I think when I started the channel, I didn't have the mm. side uh, and that's kind of come and gone over the years, but I've, I've always had at least the chin strap. I mean, so. I have, I have shaved the beard off a couple times. Um, usually it's like, yeah, if I'm dressing up for something with Halloween that doesn't have a beard mm -hmm. or something like that. Cause I know a month or two, I can grow it back. Not a big deal. The funnest thing about shaving the beard is experimenting with the different styles. You're like, all right, I'm going to do just this little one. I want to do the mutton chops. We're going to do the handlebar. I'm do, yeah, I'm going to do the handlebar. Just to see how that looks. You know, then you go out and show the wife and you kind of scare her. And then you're like, all right, all right, I'll, yeah. I'll go shave it all off. I, I've, I've wanted to do the mutton chop look just once. Yeah, just, just once, just to do the mutton chop. Just to do yeah. it. Rock it for a week and, and yeah. like, like not see even what goes. you did, like walk out yeah. and scare her and like, get back in there. No, like. Yeah. Do it. Gonna keep it go, go around yeah, in and walk around for a, for a yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, that that is the funnest part of it, honestly. Um, 
yeah, because you the, like getting like the Fu Manchus and stuff like that. Those are harder to do, but yeah, mm-hmm. you can always rock the mutton chops. You can you can do the Abe Lincoln. You can you can do the the donut <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. You know, you got a lot of options. Yeah. Ah, just like you have options when it comes to how do you host your personal servers or even your business servers, which is why today's episode is brought to you by Linode. Linode. If I can find the... Oh, come on. You're not going to play. Oh, don't give me that tonight, Linode. It's probably because I host my own servers. You jinxed (laughs) me. You need that uh, that eight port USB card. I I totally do. Yeah, I'm out of bandwidth. that's, That's what it is. Uh... Always love when it fails. Why are you not playing? I can see you. I see you. There we go. Ah, there we go. All right. Today's episode of Talking Heads is brought to you by none other than Linode. If you've ever wanted to host your own servers, but don't, uh, whether it be for home or business use, but don't have the resources to invest into hardware, power, cooling, or even space, why not let Linode host them for you? If it runs on Linux, it'll run on Linode. That includes most of the software from tutorials on my channel, like how to run your own ad-blocking recursive DNS servers, VPN gateways, your own cloud-based Plex server, and more. With shared CPU plans starting at as little as $5 per month and scaling up to as high as you need to go, you'll be able to find a hosting plan that fits your needs. Even if you do host your own servers, you can use Linode to keep a backup off-site. Because remember, RAID is not a backup. Linode also recently announced they are the first alternative cloud provider to have NVMe block storage available to all customers. In September, they began rolling out NVMe drives to all 11 of their global data centers. Best of all, storage rates will remain at the same low price they always have been. Visit linode.com slash craftcomputing and get a $100 60-day credit when starting a new account. That's linode.com slash craftcomputing, and thanks for Linode for sponsoring today's episode. Yes. Thanks, Linode. More fun than a horny toad. <laughs> why, why, don't, why don't you let me do the sponsor spots? Yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> I'll, have to, I'll have to think on, on... I'll have to think a little harder than, than 30 seconds. I didn't realize Rhett was on this week. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> all right. Uh, speaking of fake things... Yes. This is an interesting article. Um, yeah. We we talked about this just for a couple of minutes before the show because, mm-hmm. um, boy, forgery isn't a thing until all of a sudden it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess let's just get into it. Uh, yeah. So Ars Technica posted an article uh, yesterday detailing a $100,000 forgery scandal that is kind of rocking the uh, retro PC game collecting community. Uh, And this is everything, or primarily what this is dealing with, is actually uh, games that were released either either via shareware or paidware, where you would literally mail out a postcard with a check for $30, and you'd get Mm -hmm. back a copy of Ultima 2. And that copy of Ultima 2... Came in a Ziploc bag with a couple five and a quarter floppies and a yep. photocopied manual. Yeah. Oh, it was yeah. a simpler time. That, that, that was a simpler time. And and yes, I even, rem- okay, I'm dating myself, but I remember those times actually. Uh, um, and, and because of some of these, you know, Ultima being, you know, origin, a very classic uh, type mm-hmm. of games that have a lot of nostalgia with a lot of people. 
uh, they become fairly highly collectible. Yeah. Uh, but but the nature of how they distributed these things and the nature of piracy and uh, just you know the availability of that software still today you can you can download these games easily right now if you wanted to mm-hmm. but to get them in the original packaging and to get them on the original disc that's kind of hard to do um, but it's kind of something that when you think about would be fairly easy to forge if you really wanted to. Um, the hardware to copy them is still available today. You can print out labels. You can put them on the floppies. You can get Ziploc bags. You can copy the original instructions, especially since there's high-res scans of the original packaging out there. So creating forgeries of these is not that hard. Um, but how to spot them is kind of the idea and kind of the discussion of this thing. And it's kind of interesting how some people have um, identified these some of them i identified forgeries by the texture of the floppy disk like the texture was a little off it was bumpier on the mm-hmm. sides than it was in the middle uh just the curvature of the label was off right it wasn't the same curvature of the label that they put it on the top of it mm-hmm. even down to the point where how they printed the label the originals had these white spotting in it and these ones didn't so it, it's it's very interesting it seems to be um, not widespread yet, but it's kind of a concern to a lot of uh, hardcore collectors um, because there are a lot of these older, earlier games that are very, very hard to find. And so when somebody all of a sudden shows up, it's like, hey, I got it. You're like, mm-hmm. you're immediately suspicious of it, right? And so how do you know it's real? How do you know it's fake? Because like we said before, the packaging was so primitive it wasn't it wasn't like highly manufactured right you're like i don't know maybe it's real maybe it isn't right even when we get into uh the late 80s and 90s with big box games uh yeah. you know that that came in the the larger boxes to yeah. maximize shelf space um it's uh it wasn't exactly standardized then either um, no, I mean, it, it was depending on your region and your your manufacturer and everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, it's there's still a lot of variants, even in the same title across oh, yeah. multiple regions, multiple yep. releases. And so starting to identify what's real and what's fake in that aspect when it comes to. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it could be oh, yeah. exceedingly I still, difficult. I still remember the IDOS um, trapezoid boxes. Like the original Tomb Raider came in the trapezoid box. Um, so they had like very, very unique boxes. And then there's some places that didn't have the trapezoid box for the original Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's super interesting. Um, the, the, the a main source of uh, these forgeries, or what it seems to be these forgeries, is this ba- major collector from Italy who says that he's kind of uh, been scammed as well because he just didn't know that they were forgeries. Right. Uh, And that was his excuse. Now, did he really know or did he really know? Mm, Who knows? I mean, the article does state that he did, if anybody complained, he did give them refunds. But then you never know how many, he might just be doing that to save face uh, or he could legitimately meet it. I I don't really know. That's the, the nature of the thing. Um, because of how these things were packaged, mm-hmm. there's no definitive source. <laughs> you know, like, okay, 
the, the the paper that it was printed on could be a definitive source but you know because these studios were so small and and so early they could have used different stock they could have used totally different, i ran i ran out of this paper so i'm going to use this paper you know anyone who has ever ran a small business and if you're talking yeah. about like ultima and and the publishing house that uh, that brought them out um you're talking like seven employees and six of them were programmers yeah, yeah and exactly and whatnot and to think that they had one supplier of Ziploc bag or one specific yeah. weight of paper, or even that they didn't release five revisions of their manual because as they go along, they find typos and other things. Yeah. And, and, and whatnot. It's, you know, it, again, it's very, very hard to authenticate what actually yeah. was original mm -hmm. uh, because there's no definitive source like, these were not major manufacturers of parts yeah. at the day. Think, think right. of, um, think of even Nintendo. Uh, that even during the days of the NES, there were counterfeit cartridges on the market. Yeah. But Nintendo was a large enough company that they owned their own facilities for manufacturing. They quality controlled their own facilities. They adopted standards and held to those standards, where every cartridge was made out of the same material. Might have been different color, but the same material, same material the yep. same way, had the same mm -hmm. screws, had the same layout because they were big enough to source all of that material mm -hmm. readily. Yeah. Uh, if you're talking about a mail-in software company where you get the software returned to you in a in a literally a Ziploc bag, Ziploc bag, yeah, like um, a kind of photocopied instruction manual, right, and that was it. <laughs> as as someone who has ran a, a couple of different personal businesses, including one that relied on Ziploc bags for take-home things, um, not that kind of business, uh, but <laughs> but use Ziploc bags to to put customers' belongings into and then hand it to them. Um, Guess what? If the store was out of that Ziploc bag, I went to another store and got a different brand of Ziploc bag because, dang it, I need that bag now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and to be fair, I don't think these collectors are looking for the original Ziploc bag, but they do want the original floppy. Right. And another thing it's also very hard to verify is because, like, okay. But, it, but old, again, these... you're assuming that they didn't have five different stocks or vendors for floppy disks in yeah. that day. Yeah, and, and, and not only that, they can't, like if they're if you're a collector and you mm -hmm. spent like say ten thousand dollars for this disc, it's a five and a half floppy that you have an ancient reader for, and you don't know how delicate this thing is, and you don't want to put it in there because you might risk tearing the thing apart. Right. You may not want to do that. Right. So you can't even verify that the software that's on there is the software that you have are buying. Um, so there's a risk involved with just validating that it is a copy of the game that you have bought. Exactly. Uh, and so it's it's kind of a, a a trust game that's going on. And once this trust is broken, the market just might fall out because no one can trust the product anymore. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's going to be really interesting to follow this if this story develops further. Um, mm -hmm. as, as you said, most of these forgeries came from a single source who claims he didn't know they were forgeries. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the victims who have bought some of these games have since put the discs into their computers going, well, if it's, if it's definitely a forgery, I might as well see if the game is even on there. And yeah. in most of the cases, the discs were just blank. Yeah, there was in one case where the game was on there, but it was an obvious pirated version. Right. 
where it actually had the because like uh, if you remember back in the day it usually, had a bandonia uh, on, on yeah, the... yeah it, like it would it would have the pirates name you know their their band name at the bottom or something oh they like were that. proud back then it was they were there yeah they were completely proud they even had some, these like, days was, too i mean they had the extros and the intros where it would have like the intro of their um i i have about. uh i have in my rom collection um i think it is my version of Link's Awakening DS or D, uh, DX for the Game Boy mm-hmm. Color. Uh mm-hmm. the color release ROM. Um I have I have the legit dump. Um I also have one that has this wild intro with a monkey and a banana. And, oh, yeah. and it's like this scrolling background and wild, yeah. like, oh, like yeah. Bit, yeah, chip tone music. And I, I actually used to love those intros. In fact, there was a whole subculture where they would try to figure out how to make the most ornate and um, intricate intro with the smallest amount of bite sizes. Yeah. Like, so they can fit just, it, it would fa- barely take up any space on your floppy, but yeah. it would it would be very, very cool and entertaining. Yeah. Um, and I used to love those. I thought they were, I, sometimes I like those better than the game because I sit there and watch it. I was like, oh, that's neat. And I play the game, I'm like, oh, this game sucks. <laughs> Uh, someone someone said Razor nineteen eleven. Yeah, Razor. Well known. They've been around for yeah, they've been around for a while. I think they're gone now, but yeah, um, they, they um, were around for a long, long time. Yeah, uh, Doty is one of the more popular yeah. ones these days. Uh, there's also Fit Girl. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember Fit Girl. I, I think I, I'm, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I still keep up with the scene. <laughs> Once in a while, I mean, with gaming, not so much anymore. Um, my my gaming library is so huge that I, yeah. I don't even have a need to pirate anymore. I just, right, neither do I. Like, yeah, I've pirated games that I later found out I owned already. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I did that too. That looks like fun, you know. I don't really feel like spending thirty dollars yeah. though. I just want to see what it's like. Right, and so right. I downloaded the game and and installed it. But while it's installing, I got onto Steam and I'm lo- I'm browsing through, like, oh, and I it's like, oh, ready. it's it's already in there. I must have got that on a humble bundle. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, that's that's the last couple times I I did download something was for that exact reason. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's no demo available. I want to see if that's any good. So I'll download it, and yeah, same thing as like, oh, well, oh, I'm gonna like die. It, so I'm not gonna buy. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it wrong pipe. Oh man, uh, I hiccuped and it went up my nose, partially. <laughs> mm. Like I was trying to swallow and I hiccuped right then, and so half of it went up into my nose and it's still in my nose. <laughs> oh god! Princess went to another castle. <laughs> I'm sure glad this hazy doesn't burn that much. Uh, this wasn't a pepper beer. No, it was not a pepper beer. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I don't know what the heck that was. Wow. <laughs> uh drowsy says some of the ascii art was crazy in the scene back in the days on bbs oh, yeah. boards and oh yeah oh yeah i still remember all the ascii art yeah though. uh hoy did a video on uh, on this few months ago called trackers uh mvg has some great videos on all this yeah i i love mvg's deep dives into that because um, while I was aware of that scene back in the day, I wasn't like deeply invested into it. And yeah. I love that he's going back and kind of revisiting some of that, you know, old, that old hacker scene, that old, yeah. you know, game cracking and, and piracy mm-hmm. scenes. It's interesting. Oh, no, it was, it was, I, I was, 
I was really into it for back then too. I mean, I really was. I, I still remember uh, pirating. I was really was into it, it back then. I still yeah. am, but I used to too. No, no, I'm not so much anymore. Of course, uh, pliable uh... <laughs> I mean, yeah, I could put in, putting Duke Nukem on a bunch of floppies and mm-hmm. uh, taking it over to my friend's house. You know, mm-hmm. never happened. Never, never. I, I totally did not have photocopied manuals of Prince of Persia and X-Wing floating oh. around. Yeah, I never I never really cut out the uh, the wheels from Monkey Island and pasted them together. With the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, the crypto wheel. Yeah. So much fun. Oh, gosh, yes. Anyway, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how this all goes down. Um, because, as you said, uh, Riccardi kind of a trusted member of the uh, the vintage collecting scene, especially yeah. when it comes to vintage Sierra titles and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Like, he's one of the authorities on this. Mm-hmm. And, boy, you sell $100,000 of fake merchandise and go, yeah. uh, I didn't know they were fake, yeah. when you're literally the yeah. face of authority right. in the scene. It's not a good look. I mean, no, it's not a good look, but I mean, I could also see the other side too. It's like, well, there's no real standard for telling whether it's true or it's if it's real or if it's not. Yeah, there are some obvious things where if you pop the disc in, and they got the pirate the pirate team's logo on there, okay, yeah, that's pretty obvious. Uh, but then maybe he didn't want to risk damaging the goods and didn't want to pop it in and look at it. So there's no there's no real standard for this right now and and i don't think it's a huge community that's really collecting these things um it can't be more than a couple thousand i wouldn't think uh i mean i wouldn't mind you know a copy of these old things but i'm not really like in the market for one so i'm sure there's like a lot of like trust that has to be made in this in this community and uh when when a small damage uh to someone's reputation like this happens uh, it's it's got to be uh, have huge ripple effects throughout everybody that's heavily into it. Um, I, I mean, it. Good things could come out of it. I mean, there could be standards that are set. There could be like uh, websites out there that get developed for identifying forgeries and like, oh, these are the known forgeries. These are the known things that you need to look out for when you're doing it, which could really help. But um, a small fledgling, if this could kill a small fledgling community like this. Yeah. Sorry, I was muted on there because I was typing because they were complaining about my Gatteron greens. Uh, I'm trying to chat tonight and you guys are like, Jeff's keyboard. Oh my God. This is so loud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, tight-knit communities like this, this is how this is how they die. Yeah. Um, psst, Jeff, super chat. Did I miss one? Oh, Ryan. Uh, and Cosworth. Boy, how did I miss those? They were right after Harley's. I I just didn't see them. Uh, let's see. Just wondering about when Talking Head, or I'm just wondering when Talking Heads just becomes a ZZ Top tribute band. In a, in a couple of months. A couple of months. In a couple of months. Um, once, we get, once we get this down to about here. Yeah. Be there. Uh, one of the best clapbacks I've had at someone was uh, when I was working as a CNC operator. And uh, one of the other guys in the shop had a beard that was, you know, like mid chest, like just yeah. just the chin and, and like, you know, scruff on the side, but had the chin going down to like, you know, below nipple level. He, he and, had the Gandalf going on. Oh, yeah. he had to- total Gandalf going on. But yeah. but just 
I mean, it was just that. It, it wasn't the whole bush. It was it was just that. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said something snarky at me, and I said, "No one asked your opinions, Easy Top." <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I've I've had more length than this, but I'm trying to see how much further I can go and how much further my wife will allow. Uh, yeah. Ryan sends over five dollars. Meant to ask you ask last stream, but what are your thoughts on the new Nissan Z? Um, definitely, definitely a leap forward for the Z car. Um, the 370, as good as the 370 is, um, the 370 was kind of a quickly rehashed 350. It came with a couple extra features that really the 350 ZE isn't even missing. Um, and the 370Z, oh my gosh, was it long in the tooth uh, as of hmm. 2022 uh, for a car that debuted, what was it, 2008, 2009? Yeah. Um, yeah, which is just a rehashed version of the 2003 350Z. Most of Nissan's lineup, um, is old, tired, long in the tooth. My gosh, do they need a facelift as a company? Um, and the 400Z is definitely a great start to that. Um, both the Titan and the Frontier desperately need something done with them. The, the Nissan Frontier has been sold almost are pretty much virtually unchanged since 2006. Uh, yeah. Like we had a frontier for a while too. Yeah, Ford F-150 doesn't have that kind of model life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so seeing the three or the, the 400 Z, um, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I'm a little disappointed at the naturally aspirate, uh, at, at the NA specs um, because it's not that much more impressive than the standard V6 and a 350Z or, or a 370Z. Uh, you're talking 330 horses versus 285 and 305. Like, it's not that much better. And you've got to go twin turbo to really get the full benefit of the new Z car which pushes the price tag up to about $45,000, um, which is still probably the best price of a sports car these days in between the Miata and the C8 Corvette, if you can find a C8 Corvette. Uh, like, there's not a lot in this price range anymore. Um, I mean, you can kind of throw the, the flat six Supra in there, but that's just a BMW Z5 rebranded. Um, but in in that you know thirty five to forty five fifty thousand dollar range, there's really no competition. So it's really hard for the Z car to <coughs> lose. Also, despite me thinking that its base model is probably a little underspecked. Um, the other problem that I have with the twin turbo is it's four hundred and ten horsepower, uh, straight out of the factory, which is. Not bad. Which is a good number. I mean, yeah. I mean, for a V6 twin turbo, it's a good number. They put, uh, It's sequential turbo. And so they, uh, you've got a low-end turbo and a high-end turbo. They spin sequentially. And, and so you get boost starting at like 2,300 RPM or something crazy low like that. But um, at 400 horsepower, you're not outrunning even a moderately tuned 350Z or, or 370Z. Like it's not 
Hmm. You, you're you're within ten thousand dollars of one of those cars, and yeah. and I'm sorry, but those cars are a little long in the tooth in these days. <laughs> so um, I'm hot and I'm cold about the the 400Z. Um, I love the looks of it. I love that they're keeping a lot of the traditional styling lines. I love the the, the triple gauge the yeah. triple gauge cluster in the center. I love that they're keeping a manual transmission, even though technically the six speed manual is still slower than the than the uh, clutchless eight speed. Um, and uh, you know, it, it's a great retro thro- throwback car without being a retro throwback car. Um, it's. You know, it, it really is kind of going back to the roots of the Z car with the 240 and just trying to be the best mid-range sports car that you can be beneath the V8 powerhouses of the Corvette and the Mustang and the Shelby and uh, Challenger and Camaro ZL1 and, and all those other cars and kicking the crap out of the, you know, the sports cars, the affordable sports cars in the Miata MX-5 or... Uh, you know, the FRS, GT86, BRZ, uh, like, it definitely knows its place. And its place is to be a V6 in a inline four or V8 world. And I think it does that quite well. I think it could have been a little bit better, but yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's a car. What are you going to do? Right. Yeah. So there you go. There's there there's, there's my thing. short answer on the 400Z is to be determined. I want I want to drive one first before I really get an opinion about it because I've I've watched a whole bunch of videos on it. Um but yeah. Uh Cosworth says he plans to obtain 300 horsepower on his ridgeline naturally aspirated. Uh should have just bought a Frontier. Those came with 315 naturally aspirated out of the factory. Oh, and they had actual four-wheel drive too. Yeah. Our Frontier did. I'm kidding. I'm sure your all-wheel drive is fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, we do have a little bit of beer news. If you are ready to move on, or if you're ready to open a second beer. Uh, I'm almost there. We have one more super chat, though. I don't know if you want to go back to car, car talk. Oh, lit- yeah. Literally just popped up. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Nissan Titan did have the Cummins diesel. Yeah, but it was the five liter Cummins and holy crap, that thing was hot garbage. Like I really wanted one when they were announced and I'm really glad I didn't go buy one. Um, Those things have so many problems. Um, uh, So I've got a 2011, uh, oh God, you have the Murano Cabrio. Oh, wow. Uh, Nissan didn't lack innovation, but execution. I also have a 13 CRZ. Uh, six one, six foot one fat guy in a little car and a 96 limo. Mm. <laughs> that is quite the car collection. I know, um, that's interesting. I have made so much fun of the Murano Cabrio over the years. For those who don't know, it is a four-door crossover SUV ragtop. It's weird looking. It is. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what it was, to be fair. I didn't, I didn't know. know it ex- like I, I had to go look it up and, um, wow, it's a, that's a, that's a... <laughs> It's a thing. It's a car. It's a, car. It's a thing. Wow. Um, I don't think I've ever seen one of these. On four the door, crossover SUV, soft top convertible. All those words, all in one thing. Doug DeMiro has a great video about one. Um, and what he goes, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> I, I've seen one 
twice. Uh, I, I've passed one on the highway, and then I saw one parked in a mall one time. Um, interesting, interesting cars. Uh, that's what I have to say on that. Um, yeah. I do like the 2013 CRZ. Those, those are are awesome cars. You know, the the CRX redo with the hybrids and whatnot. I think that was a great move for Honda to bring back the CRX as a, you know, fan favorite with a, you know, its traditional Civic drivetrain, which at the time was hybrid. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So now we can get into beer chat if you want. Now we can get into beer chat. Uh, now yeah. we can get into beer chat. Uh, let me go grab my second beer. One okay. second. I still, I still have a little bit of my uh, Belgian left. So I'm going to sip on that before I crack open my um, my pastry single cut. Um, and I'm not going to go back to my mystery beer. That was not satisfactory or delicious. Great Doug impression. I can do better Doug DeMuro impressions. This... This is a 2013 Nissan Murano Cabriolet. And today, I'm going to give you all of its quirks and features, and then I'm going to give you a Doug score. A Doug score. <laughs> so what's your second beer? My second beer is the Nogna uh, oh, yes, Imperial right. Brown Ale, 7.5%. Didn't you just grab that out of the fridge? I did. I thought you were going to let it warm up. I, I I said, I'm sure this will be better warm, oh, but okay, I want okay. to experience the whole range of it. Right. Okay. So um, yeah, you have it in the fridge. Whereas the hazy, the... I yeah. definitely didn't want warm. No, no. Well, you know, to be fair, I have experienced some hazies where when they warmed up a little bit, I had, depending on the hops that they put in there. I, I had uh, one this week that was... I've had like three hazies in a row that are probably yeah. the best hazies I've ever had. Oh yeah. Like there, there is something in the water and there's something going down with the community that they have figured out the formula. They have, they have. And and there are several that, that the, they're almost like some of these stouts where as they warm up or it's like the stouts, you get more sweet multi notes as right. it goes on. Whereas with the hazy IPAs with certain ones, not all of them, obviously, as they warm up, you get more like melon and and fruit notes to it. Yeah. As they warm up, um, not all of them, but but some of the really well crafted ones do this. Yeah. Um, and and I've been experiencing that more and more. The old school Northwest IPAs were never like that. The, the yeah. warmer they got, the the almost skunkier they got. Right. Um, so you kind of wanted to drink them at a fairly cooler temperature. Yeah, 40, 45, uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they have these hazies now. There's some of them there. You're just like, they, they morph over time. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, any juicy Diablo immortal gossip? Uh, yeah, play mm. Diablo 2 instead. And by that, I mean the original <laughs> Diablo 2. I, I haven't tried it. Uh, I, I played... Uh, arc quite a bit as for like a free ARPG mm -hmm. type of a, of a thing. And arc was okay, I guess. Um, kind of scratched that itch for a bit. I might try Diablo Immortal because I hear it's a decent mobile ARPG, but a crappy PC ARPG. <laughs> right. That's from what I hear. Um, so I am not in any hurry to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, um, here's my take on it. 
Okay. Um, I I hate microtransactions. Mm-hmm. I hate always online DRM, especially for single player games. Mm-hmm. Those are my two, like, I don't want to touch you. I don't want to deal with you as a company if that's something that you support within your business model. Um, it's been years since I bought an EA game. Um, when Diablo 2 uh, Resurrected, the, the remake was announced, I pre-ordered it because they promised you could use your Diablo 2 servers and you could still play LAN games and it wouldn't have online DRM and everything else. And then after everyone pre-ordered, they went back on that claim. Yeah, and now lies. it's vicious lies. And vicious lies. And now it's yeah. all online DRM, even for single player only. And yeah. I played I played uh, Diablo 2 Resurrected for probably about 15 or 20 hours. You know, put, put a decent amount of time into it. But I play it so irregularly that three times now I have gotten the... I'm sorry, your session has timed out because you spent mm-hmm. too much time off. Please log back in to, to continue. It's like, it's a single player game. Yeah, I know. That yeah. I bought and, and and whatnot. And it ticked me off so much that I started looking for uh, like Devolution X for Diablo, which is a source port of the Diablo engine. And you can actually play Diablo and Hellfire on like any platform using your original Diablo uh, level level resources. Mm -hmm. And like, I've been playing that on my, my Ayn Odin. Um, And it's been awesome. Uh, And I went, is there a project like that for Diablo two? Well, there's one kind of in the making. They're not ready to release any gameplay clients, uh, but you can get into the menu and you can browse the menu and watch cinematics and stuff. And so they're showing, we're reading the level information and we can prove that the rendering is working. Uh, but there's a lot of work that needs to go into gameplay and controls and mechanics and everything else to actually make this a serviceable engine. Um, but I, I went, okay, well, what's the next best thing? Like what's what's the latest update for Diablo 2 that I can get and get me some more modern features, maybe better resolution than 800 by 600. And I found uh, D2DX, which is a glide wrapper for specifically written for Diablo 2, which enables widescreen support, uh, FXAA anti-aliasing, and also has an AI uh, processing agent in it, which will upscale Diablo 2 from 25 FPS to 60. Yeah. It it adds frames inside of the rendering engine to emulate 60 FPS animation, and it actually does it very well. Yeah, I believe D2DX has been around for a while, but it's been constantly evolving and getting yeah. better and better and better. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I, I just discovered it this last week. I installed it on my main rig. Uh, and what was really funny is on Twitter earlier this week, a lot of people were talking about uh, overkill systems and playing games that are like, like you know, you have an RTX 3090 and you're playing what with it? And my my answer a couple weeks ago was well the borderlands uh, uh or borderlands 2 not the remake like the original mm-hmm. borderlands 2 um this week it's been diablo 2 <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's one i'm playing on my 5950x and rtx 3090 <laughs> it's so weird it feels so <laughs> weird but it looks so good and yeah and it's not missing any features that I would want from Resurrected other than slightly prettier graphics. But between FXAA and getting 60 FPS, I've been really happy with it. Oh, yeah. 
Alright. His skull finally put the, the beer I've been drinking for like the last hour and ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Mm. Actually, I think I'm almost done. We're just going to take this last swallow here. Gearlings here. He says, overkill systems like the NASA I just installed that's way deeper than my Rackknot UPS. Um, yeah, like that. Um, yeah, I've I've got... God, my rack mount UPS isn't isn't even half the length of my server rack, um, and I think it's one of the shortest units that's in my server rack. It's only fifteen hundred VA. Um, it's not a three thousand or anything like that. But yeah, um, I'm well familiar with server systems that <laughs> well overpowered. Yeah. More Cowbell Nitro Stout. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. More Cowbell. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, like I mentioned, we do have some beer news to get to. Mm -hmm. uh, Sam Adams is giving away $50,000 worth of free beer uh, to people who leave work early. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what it is. And I have now, a lot of questions for this. Yeah, I do too. Uh, and we, we were talking about this a little bit about how they will actually know that these are people who left work early versus people who are just working from home. Um, but I, I feel this is a, this is like a promotion for their new beer that they have coming out. A summer ale, which is kind of a citrus-flavored summer ale. Um, and I got no complaints about Sam Adams. They're usually pretty decent, right? They got some decent beers, and they've been around forever. So they must be doing something, right? So what this deal is, is um, if you have Cash App, and you have Twitter. Uh, so uh, if you ditch work early on Friday through June and July, and you tweet on Twitter with your Cash App cash tag with proof that you left work, I think I'm guessing a picture or something like that, uh, they will cash out. I'd be in my car with, with a Sam Adams. Just... Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just, <laughs> yeah, you're just drinking it. You'd be passed out in the back seat. Um, but they will they will cash app you the equivalent uh, amount to buy one of their beers, um, and they have fifty thousand dollars worth. So I fully predict that the fifty thousand dollars will be gone on day one. <laughs> it will just be people like, oh yeah, send me a beer. They'll go walk outside, go walk outside their office. Yep, I'm just in my car. I'm leaving. Send me money. Yep. Yeah, it's not like they have to provide GPS data of them driving home or anything like that. They just gotta have like a picture or something. I mean, I like the promotion. It's fun. You get free beer. It's good stuff. Uh, I, I'm I'm a little dubious about their um, way of uh, va validating that you're leaving work, but it's just I'm sure it's just a. Marketing. What do people on the West Coast do? We get off work a lot later than the East uh -huh. Coast. Yeah, because it's supposed to be uh, between uh, 2 and 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, <clears throat> yeah, all the uh, West Coast people, uh, they might be a little screwed. They don't get an opportunity, unless you work from home. Because then you can be like, hey, look, at I'm on my couch. Or I'm in my jammies. I'm obviously home early. Give me free money. And since they're just cash-apping you, there's nothing stopping you from, like, 
using that money to buy somebody else's beer or McDonald's or whatever. So good on Sam Adams giving you free money, but um, I don't know if that's the that's the the most um, efficient way of getting people to drink your beer. You know, I've been uh, I've been coerced with easier things than drinking Sam Adams. So yeah, I've I've had some Sam Adams that were absolutely good. They were decent. Yeah, and I've had some Sam Adams beers that tasted like tomato paste. Um, I, I usually stick to their winter ale. Like, uh, yeah, if I, if I'm going to have a Sam Adams beer, like if I'm out of, if I'm out of pub somewhere and it's limited because I'm there with friends and we didn't go to a tap house and it's like, Hey, do you want a beer? It's like, yeah, no, not, not any of the ones that you have here anyway. Well, they still have, uh, they oh, you know, still you got Sam a... Adams winter ale. Okay. I'll take one. Like <laughs> they still have the, uh, the, the utopia, which is a utopias, um, Sam Adams beer, which is the highly coveted, I think, what was it a hundred and twenty-five dollar bottle of beer? If you're lucky, mm-hmm. typically it's about two hundred oh. now. If you if you because it's highly oh, sought Utopia after. is usually like two thirty uh, by the time we we get it over here. Yeah, because I think I think well, I don't know what it is now, but I remember when it first came out because it's an East Coast thing, and yeah. West Coast people will get them uh, distributed if they're lucky, and then usually they crank up the price. So yeah, two fifty minimum, maybe three hundred bucks. Um, which kind of actually, uh, speaking of which, like of rare beers and hard beers to find, and expensive beers. Uh, locally, Bogfish Head is closing down. Yeah. And and uh, oh, not Bogfish Head. Sorry, uh, um, Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog has been a Pacific Northwest staple since the nineties, and uh, they were one of the breweries that. Um, had the most expensive beer I've ever seen on their menu ever. Um, this was back like maybe 2012, 2013. They had uh, cellared versions of their strong ale dating back to the 90s yep. that they were selling for 1300 bucks for a bottle of it. And then I went and looked up on Untapped because Untapped was just brand new at the time, and they were actually people who checked some of those in. Um, and uh, the ratings were high. I'm not too sure if the ratings were high because they would feel foolish for spending that much money on beer and then end up being not good, or if they genuinely thought it was good. I don't know. But I'm not going to spend that much money on that beer. But that was the most expensive beer I saw. But Sam Adams also has the Utopus beer. And I guess if you're ambitious enough and you kept using the Cash App every Friday and maybe use different Cash App accounts, you could maybe get enough money from them to buy one of their expensive beers. That'd be nice. (laughs) Yep. You can try. But, yep, that's it. That's it for Sam Adams news. Yep. Uh, we do have some Dragon's Milk news yeah. from uh, New Holland. Yeah, I put this in rotation because, um, you know, Dragon's Milk is uh, this channel's uh, one of our favorite beers. We like it. <laughs> I think a lot of our uh, listeners like it. Even though they don't distribute much out here. They don't. They We only get like maybe one or two varieties, and yeah. I would love it. Love it if they would 
distribute more out here. Yep. Uh, but their reserve, which is uh, one of their yearly releases, just like you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Fremont does their yearly releases and uh, all these other places. This is this is Dragon Milk's reserve is their yearly release, and their new flavor that they're putting out is the uh, this their their standard Dragon's Milk in bourbon barrels like normal, but this one is with Stroopwafel cookies, coffee, caramel, and cinnamon. So that's the new flavor that they're putting out. Um, Sorry, John Jay in Discord chat was posting pictures of his Utopia's bottle. Oh, does he really? In 10 forward? Yep. Join the Discord and you too can drool all over John Jay oh and live gosh, vicariously yeah. through him. Now, did he taste it? He didn't. He didn't give any tasting. Notes. He hasn't opened that one yet. He hasn't opened it yet. Yep. Now, now uh, John Jay is he on the West Coast or is he? Oh no, he's uh, he's who we get all our treehouse from. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, he he's my hookup. Well, yeah. Okay. So we should have like a craft computing convention on the West Coast, and John Jay can bring that bottle with it. I volunteer my house. I volunteer my bar. He can come by and bring that whenever he wants. Hang out. Whatever. Pour me a glass. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Pour me a glass. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> if he wants. I am curious about how that tastes because there's been several opportunities. I think... Um, 2019 there was somebody up in vancouver that had a bottle and then john was trying to get we were we were trying to get that. we were we were yeah. like this close to yep. all pitching in about a, a couple bucks to to all get it yep so we can be on stream and try it um but i guess somebody else bought us out so yep. does jeff show the youtube chat any love Half the show I've been chatting with YouTube. Oh yeah, no, he was chatting on the YouTube thing. All you guys the time. complained about my keyboard for crying out loud. I know, I know. No, I I have my screen situated that I have all the chats up. Yeah. Yeah, I literally but, have the YouTube chat doubled on both my screens. So. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Uh. This is a fun story. Yes. I can't. I can't wait to try this. Finally, uh, remember how we were all told that Insomniac will always be an exclusive PlayStation partner. Oh yeah, and they will never, ever bring any game over to the PC. We're right. a PlayStation development house only. Not only that, but. Even if that do, even if hell doth freeze over, we still won't bring you Spider-Man. Yep. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Yep. We're getting Spider PC. Spider-Man on the PC. Which is uh one of the I, I have never been like really uh super gung-ho for PlayStation. Mm -hmm. Uh I know I had a lot of friends that were and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of reveal a big shocker to maybe a lot of the audience out here. 
but uh, I know Last of Us was a big exclusive on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I played it. I think it's overrated. I agree. Um, I've, out, outside of outside of the story, which I thought the story was pretty good, the gameplay was. I didn't. I didn't care for it. <laughs> I, I, I could. I couldn't get through it. I, I mm. went about halfway through. Mm. I stopped and I'm like, you know what? I kind of just want to know how the story went, and I ended up just watching the rest of it on YouTube. Yep. I I'm gonna piss off a lot of Sony fanboys right now. Yeah. I think a lot of Sony exclusive games are overrated because their gameplay is dreadful. Um yeah. I I'm talking like story-wise, mm-hmm. God of War, great game. Yep. Last of mm-hmm. Us, great story. Mm-hmm. Uh Gosh, what was some of the others? Um, well, there's Uncharted, which is a big uh, yeah. There's Uncharted. Now, um, the, the very first I I didn't play. I only played one Uncharted game, and mm-hmm. I found the beginning to be very fun. But then after a while, it got to be very repetitive, and then I got bored. Right. Um, um, a lot of the Sony exclusive games they follow what the Tomb Raider games became later in life, and by that yeah. I mean Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Mm-hmm which is some beautiful cinematics with some unnecessary button mashing to get through a cutscene. What amounts yeah. to a cutscene? Press Y to duck under this statue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally says Y, and then you hit Y, and, and Lara goes, oh my god, I almost died! And it's like, I just yeah. watched you. I, I wasn't moving you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what so, so many... PlayStation exclusive games rely on for mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, even including like Horizon Zero Dawn relies on that to, to some extent. Um, but especially God of War and especially Last of Us and especially Uncharted. And they're tired mechanics. I understand the idea of wanting a game to look fantastic and play yeah. fluidly. Um, yeah. But there's a reason The Force Unleashed a game that released for pretty much every console ever mm-hmm. was reviewed terribly by critics. And it's not because the story was terrible. The story was halfway decent. It's yeah. because the gameplay mechanics of that game of, you can do whatever you want during the gameplay. But yeah. when it comes to the most pivotal moments where you would actually need to throw down some some experience and some skill, and I'm talking about the boss fights, right? they were reduced to, hack and slash at the boss, and then as the buttons show up on screen, press them in the right order. Right. So yeah. I'm gonna do my finishing move, and this time it's Y, okay, X, okay, R1, okay, Y again, oh darn, I hit X, and now I have to well, go back and hack and slash for yes. another two minutes to get back to that sequence of events. And that's that's what it is. There was, a, there was that term that came about at that time of gaming, where it's like, oh, it's so cinematic. Oh, it's so cinematic. Look at this. And right. yeah, especially a game that you're supposed to be a Jedi, this all-powerful Jedi. And well, what if the player doesn't know how to do all the moves? How are we going to make them look and feel like they're actual Jedi? Well, let's give them simple button instructions and then have the cinematic so they feel like they're doing something great. Yep. When in reality, it's just simpler than Simon says. I mean, it really isn't. I mean, yes, an interesting story is an interesting story, but we're bordering on uh, storytelling and gameplay. Right. There, There's always an interplay between story and cinematics yeah. and gameplay. Mm-hmm. And the ones that do them best are the ones that integrate the cinematics 
seamlessly with the gameplay, mm-hmm. but stop short of integrating game mechanics into the cinematic. Right. And I don't mind if I have to defeat the boss on my own terms and then the cutscene that plays isn't necessarily 100% the way I just delivered the final blow to the boss. Yeah. I don't care. That's how games have always worked. And right. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, we know that. But at least it still required some skill other right. than what amounted to level one of Guitar Hero. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I think that's why a lot of like these Dark Souls-style games are gaining a lot of popularity. Mm-hmm. Because you... I, and I've seen like a lot of videos. And, and to be fair, I have not played a lot of the Dark Souls type of mm-hmm. games and the Bloodborne type of games. Mainly because... Um, there is a lot of um there's a high level of entry in those type of games you really have to know right. how to use your character and how to use it uh back when i was younger i would probably would have absolutely adored those type of games same i don't i don't have time to do that anymore that that's I just, exactly I what don't. i was going to say is don't. is as an older gamer as an elder statesman yeah. uh, yes. in 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 this league um I don't have the amount of time to perfect skill yeah. and timing and precision yes. that I used to. Now there it's are some like, there yeah. are some genres that I'm still good at just inherently. Yeah. That's shooters and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and racing games and things like that. I can pick up just yeah. about any racing game and yeah. go to town and have a great time. Games that require specific skill sets though that you yeah. have to develop over, you know, uh, I have a very specific set of skills right. that I developed <laughs> yeah, over yeah. a lifetime of I I I don't have time to dive into Dark Souls the way I used to dive into Final Fantasy, the way I used to dive into, um, you know, perfecting Mario runs and the way I used to dive into this and that. Um, I barely have time to do casual playthroughs of (laughs) Diablo 2 anymore. Um, So, I I still remember, like, back in the day, Die by the Sword had a very, very interesting interesting swordplay mechanic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and this was long back ago where I did have time and I would like totally in, in it. It's probably my closest correlation to the, the dark souls type games where you, your mouse movement was a one-to-one correlation to your sword swing. Uh-huh. Uh, have you played, so have you wonky. played kingdom come deliverance? That's a modern, that's it's, a modern incantation of, of, is uh, it really? yeah. Oh, is totally. It, is it, is it implemented better? Cause I, I have it, but I have not played um, it. It's a really fun game. It's a high learning curve, but it's an easier learning curve than like a Souls game. Um, And so I would give it a shot. Um, I I sunk probably about 40 hours into it early this year. And I got nowhere in the story because I was just having fun doing side quests and killing people. Um, But uh, it's based very much on a controller. And so if if you've got a controller, your right stick has five positions. So think of like a pentagram with Mm -hmm. two... Two, two up and, and left, mm-hmm. two down and left, and then and yeah. then you've got a straight down. And that correlates to where you're holding your sword. And okay. so you're in defensive or aggressive, defensive or aggressive, okay. down, down or up, and then you've also got a straight down. Um, okay. And uh, where, and, and so kind of like a fighting game, you're switching mm-hmm. stances and you have different, and you have different moves depending on which stance you're in, depending on where your controller yeah. stick is pointed. Um, and it also correlates to what stance your def- your opponent is in, mm-hmm. where he's attacking or where he's defending from, getting an opponent on the wrong foot so you can swing at him from his weak side. Yeah. There's a lot of skill involved in developing kind of that mechanic, but it's a very that, fun mechanic to learn. 
that that sounds very similar to for honor which i i just went through the single player uh-huh. campaign not too long ago and i did find that mechanic pretty fun uh although i found the story for for honor to be pretty boring and tedious yeah i i was really getting into the mechanic of the fighting yeah which was very very similar where yes you have to like watch what your opponent's doing uh choose your position to counter their attack if they're going to attack if they attack and you block it therefore you have uh the opportunity to to uh catch them off guard and then mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of that stuff going on um and that was kind of fun uh but it was so linear and um it was just one fight to the next fight to the next fight to the next fight yeah it was it wasn't exactly um and if the story wasn't intriguing then it was kind of boring. Like I liked the mechanics of the fight. Kingdom Come has a great story. Okay. And and it's one. I literally just bit my tongue. I'm having the darndest time with my internal mechanics tonight. Yeah. I don't know how I did that. (laughs) I literally just bit the tip of my tongue. Your tongue is the dark souls of your body. (laughs) You just don't know how to, you don't know how to wield it. It really (laughs) is. Um, Anyway. Um, no, Kingdom Come has a great story to it. Even a lot of the side quests are really mm-hmm. intriguing and and yeah. kind of fun. Um, yeah. There, there's some mystery aspects to it. There's some great mm-hmm. combat aspects to it. Um, and it's not like um, even the bow and arrow play is right. very, very no challenging. I've been following Kingdom Kingdom yeah. Come since its early development because yeah. it was supposed to be touted as a realistic medieval uh, depiction of you know medieval life type of a thing. It's really it wasn't good. like a fantasy thing. Yeah, and so um, I've had it for a while. I, mm-hmm. I think I just haven't gotten around to play it. I mean, people who who know me on the Discord and have seen my Steam library know, know what the backlog that, is. <laughs> <laughs> looks what my backlog is. Yes, and I also have a son that just he loves playing games with me, and so I, yeah. I tend to play games that he likes. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been we've been playing a lot of uh, Core Keeper. I don't know if you guys know what Core Keeper is. Huh. It's kind of um, it's a, an indie game. And I highly encourage you if you guys if you guys like Minecraft or uh, a Terraria or uh, Stardew Valley, it's kind of a mix of all three of those, to be honest. So there's mining going on, exploration going on, survival going on, gardening going on, um, uh, all those things kind of kind of mixed into one. Uh, and there's bosses you have to fight, just like in Terraria, mini bosses you have to fight. Um, it's it's very fun. I, I and it's multiplayer, so mm-hmm. and and the and the entry for graphics is very low. Um, so if you just have like a little laptop, you can play on that and stuff like that. So I we've been doing that one just because my son likes it, and uh, I've been having fun playing with that. But you know, when I get time, I'll eventually get to Kingdom Come and Spider Man when it comes out. I'm sure I'll try it. This particular one, it looked a lot like um, the combat in the videos I saw. It looked a lot like uh, the uh, Batman games, which I liked those too. Those were fun. Um, little bit different, little bit different. But uh, oh, did you play these the Spider-Man one before on the on the PlayStation? I uh, didn't play the Spider-Man ones. Um, okay. uh, I've seen enough gameplay of it. But okay, that's uh, what it was. That was reminiscent to me. It looked like the 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 uh the batman games yeah actually now that i think about it yeah you're, you're kind of right where um it's got kind of a one person targeting thing but mm-hmm. there there's moves there's combos there's a whole bunch of other things yeah now that i think about it you're probably right i don't know why yeah. i disagreed okay <laughs> <laughs> um anyway 
Uh, let's see. I saw one pop up. Sean, there it is. Samuel Smith's Chocolate Stout. Uh, Steve, have you ever had a Samuel Smith's Chocolate Stout? Samuel, yes. Uh, oh, yes, yes. That, that's the, the British one. The, the It says organic chocolate stout on yes, it, right? Yes, yes. Yes, yes. I have had that before. Um, what did you think about that? I liked it. I've had better chocolate stouts, but it's okay. I thought it was vile. Oh, really? I hated it. I hated everything oh, about like it. it. I, I thought it was all right. I have one in my fridge but, right now. Uh, oh, you don't like them? I, I, I bought two of them, and I drank the last one like 18 months ago. And and so I have another one. It's in my fridge. Um, okay. Well, here's the thing. I think because it's an organic chocolate stout, I don't know if, what the shelf life is. It's probably not very good. Yeah. Um, so the one I had, maybe it was fresh, maybe it was because it's it's got a come. The one I had was fresh. Right? Okay. When I bought them, they were fresh. Uh, I thought it was like an average to above average stout. It wasn't like anything terribly special. Now, if you want a really good chocolate stout, I would recommend the Rogue Double Chocolate Stout, which is an excellent chocolate stout. Right. Or uh, Left Hand's Shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Chocolate Shake is an excellent chocolate stout. Both those are, are very good if you like a really good... Super, super dark chocolate, chocolate, right. Super dark chocolate stout. Um. <sighs> Did you re- did you know on the back of the bottle of uh, Samuel Smith's chocolate stout it says malted beverage? Well, it should be. I mean, it's a beer, right? Well, yeah, but it's more malt liquor than beer. Oh, is it really? <laughs> it, it's it's malt liquor. Is um, it malt liquor? It's malt liquor. <laughs> um, and uh, I didn't know that before I opened it, and I opened it up, and I went, "This tastes terrible." Like like the malt in it was awful awful it, yeah. it, it it almost had like this chalky taste well, to see, it see that's that's why i think because i know there's some beers that that's what i didn't know if it was fresh or not you said you, you thought it was fresh but i'm pretty sure it uh, was fresh because like a lot of a lot of some beers are not meant to be cellared and some beers are right uh and the ones that aren't meant to be cellared if you have that it's been sitting too long you you know you mm-hmm. know it's just got this weird sickly sweet flavor yeah. to it yeah. Um, so uh, sometimes it's more obvious than others, but yeah, especially with IPAs or saisons or lighter beers tend to uh, have that flavor more than like your bourbon barrel aged, your big heavy ABVs. Those those tend to age a lot better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I should reopen it and revisit it at some point, but. It was not a beer I think of very fondly (laughs) at all. To be fair, it's been a long time since I've had it. Um, I think it's been like maybe eight years since I've had one. And I remember thinking it was okay. Yeah, I I had one within the last 18 months. Um, And it was one of the worst stouts I've ever had. Okay. Yeah. I would take one of John's gluten-free stouts (laughs) over over what this was. Now, where did you buy that? Uh, bought it at one of my local bottle shops. Okay. The one that's closest okay. to me that's usually pretty well stocked. So, you know, there's, there's, there was a couple of bottle shops I used to go to mm-hmm. um, where I was like, I was like, God, every beer I buy from here is just absolutely disgusting. What's mm-hmm. going on? And what I ended up finding out is they have their bottles like right next to an open window. Yeah. And they're sitting there for a long time because they're kind of an eclectic type of, of beer place. It was up, yeah. in, up in Oregon City. Okay, yeah. And I think just the sunlight screwed up all the beer because every beer I got from them, they didn't they didn't refrigerate them. They're just sitting on the shelf. 
and it was right next to an open window. So yeah. I think the sunlight penetrated it. And then over time, like even if it was just sitting there for like two or three months, it was enough to just funkify that beer. So it just did not taste right. Right. So, yeah, um, they, they, they storage kind of uh, kind of plays into it. Oh, sto uh, storage, shipment, treatment, yeah. everything can play, you know, the end, end user, end consumer, whatever else. But I, man, I, I was I was just not a fan. <laughs> oh, did you pause? I don't think so. Hello. Oh, oh, choppy. Wow. All of a sudden we're sending zero to YouTube. Uh oh, you're still fine. Now it's saying my internet is unstable. Now you're choppy. What the heck? No, oh, what's going on? Are, are... Okay, we're back up. There we go. Okay, we're good. That was weird. No, I was just going to say, uh, I remember one time me and John, we were in Anaheim, California, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, <laughs> we went to this local, because, like, you know, there, there's all these convenience stores all over the place in, in Southern California, and they all have, like, all booze and not like a, an organ at all so they have a selection of beer selection of booze wide variety wide variety all over the place yeah and we went to this convenience store that was really close to our hotel in anaheim and uh they had a really good selection of rare beers that we would normally see being cellared in places and we're like okay let's get this this is like really really uh, rare and uh, we looked it up and untapped there's rated high and um we went and bought it brought it back to the hotel it's like all right we're excited to try this and we drank it and it was like absolutely disgusting and we're like how could people rate this high and uh our only conclusion was like okay this is a convenience store maybe they just didn't store it correctly because they probably didn't have the facilities to really um properly age it um because by all means, everything that we read says that this should be a good beer. But when we drank it, it was it was really gross. It wasn't good at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Sometimes you find these uh, great looking bottle shops. Yeah. And you're like, wow, these are some great prices. And why doesn't everyone else shop here? You find out why they don't shop there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> their, their, their storage process is just not quite up to snuff. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, we do have one more story to get to. Um, yeah. And that is one that, gosh, can I just say, uh, I've probably been waiting 20 years for this. Mm -hmm. uh, back in 2001, uh, this game was released for PC... And then it would later come to GameCube, Xbox, and, and a couple other different consoles. Um, and when it was on PC, the, 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 at the time it was released for PC, it was one of the go-to benchmarking titles for video card oh, benchmarks. Was, yeah. Yeah, um, and this is one of the games with kind of a weird numbering system because... The, the second game in the series was so popular and it deserved a sequel that mm -hmm. the second game ended up getting a sequel that doesn't tie into the first game much. Uh, it's kind of like Red Dead Revolver. Well, what's Red mm -hmm. Dead Revolver? Well, it was before Red Dead Redemption. Well, what's Red yeah. Dead Redemption 2? It's the sequel to Red Dead Redemption, but Red Dead Revolver sucks, so we don't talk about it. Yeah. Um, this isn't quite that bad because no. Star Wars Dark were, Forces 
Yeah. Was a great game in the day. They're all good games in their own right. Yes. Uh, yeah. Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight saw, saw us take the the Dark Forces Kyle Katarn and turn him into a Jedi in all of his 1997 glory. Yeah. Uh, so if you think the earliest of early 3D rendering on Windows, um, you imagine the, like, the, the type of graphics we're talking about. 2001 turned around, though. And uh, we get Jedi Knight 2, Two. Jedi Outcast. Dark, yep. Which um, is great. Dark Forces 3. No. Mm-hmm. Not Dark no. Forces. <laughs> Jedi Knight 2. 2. Jedi Outcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this game was an immediate critical and commercial success. Mm-hmm. Um, had tons of fans. Had an enormous modding community. One of the originals of which still exists today in Mas- in the Masasi Temple. Uh, you can go to masasi.net and download the mods that you could download in 2002 today. The site is still up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And these are everything from like total conversion modern weapon packs to uh, uh, player created levels and a whole bunch of other awesome fun stuff. Uh, probably the best of which is the ladder level, which puts you up against an increasingly difficult uh, set of enemies, not unlike the um, Zelda Wind Waker uh, ladder right. levels, mm-hmm. uh, where you drop down a hole and you fight 10 Bacoblins, and then you drop down another hole and then you fight 10 Bacoblins plus two Moblins, and then mm-hmm. it goes up in difficulty from there. Mm-hmm. Um it's one of the best times you could ever spend being a Jedi Knight and killing, you know, an increasing horde of Sith Lords. Um, anyway, fun game, historic game. It is getting a fan created VR port this week. Yes. Uh, a demo of which is going to be unveiled this week. Um, and supposedly the entire game is playable. Now, the interesting thing about this game is that at some point in its lifespan, the source code for this game was leaked. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, this game famously uses the Quake 3 engine. Not unlike, well, Quake 3. Um, There's a couple arena games that use the Quake 3 engine. There's this. There's also uh, Voyager Elite Force. Star Trek Elite Force uses the Quake 3 engine. and uh, so Quake 3, the engine itself is open sourced. You can download yeah. the engine. You can play the engine. Um, the game files for Jedi Knight 2 were at one point leaked during a uh, transition of um, of assets because this company was sold so many times over the years. And at some point, one of the companies just said, screw it, here's all the assets. Mm-hmm. And so... Even though some rights holders still have some rights over this, the the files themselves are open source, and I believe they were legitimately open sourced at one point. Um, and so it kind of makes it community assets, which means you can kind of do what you want with it, as long as you have the original game files, which are still copyright LucasArts. Um, but they are essentially building an engine in Unity that will read these original files Mm-hmm. like a like a, a traditional source port does but they are porting the entire game to vr including full-on lightsaber combat first person force powers everything that you could ever want out of a star wars game 
VR. It's going to be right here. There. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing. And this this is this is kind of unique to a lot of fan remade games because I've seen a lot of fan remade games oh, in yeah. like different engines all over the place. Uh, but I've never seen them like, okay, let's take it to the next level. Let's put it in VR, mm -hmm. which you have to really rethink the control scheme when you do that. Right. And so, at, I mean, I, I'm really excited for this because I would like to try this when this comes out and I'm, I probably will when it comes out. Uh, but uh, I'm thinking that this might be so much removed from the game that they're literally just going to check to make sure the files exist on your hard drive and then just load, sideload everything else. Well, the thing is, the asset files, so... Um... Uh, like, sound waves are probably going to be fine still. Uh, I'm just I'm just looking at, because I, I watched a couple of the, the, the videos and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and the graphics, the, the textures did not look like this from the original game, obviously. Right. Um, so... There's obviously redone textures. There's obviously redone. I don't. The models still might be the same. I, I'm the guessing they're using the same, the same the models because yeah. they they wouldn't be legally allowed to redistribute the models. And so I'm guessing right. they're using the models. They might be using some kind of an upscaling algorithm or right. um, FSR or some kind right. of tech that is helping them upscale right. things. But I will say, even in the day, they had fairly high-res textures they did uh, yes. which is and why it made such a great benchmarking title and and even and even if they're using the same models and having higher-res textures and even if they redid the textures themselves um you still would need the original uh game to play it so that's how they kind of get away with like it not being a total remake of a game and selling it for monetary purposes mm -hmm. as opposed to like a mod that they're trying to because um, I, I think um, now isn't um, isn't it behind? If you wanted to get a early release of it now, isn't it behind a um, Patreon account? I think it is, right? Uh, right now, you can download it directly from the Patreon account. Um, yes. They will be publicly releasing it very soon, right. uh, like Friday. I think is okay. the is yeah. the. So that's that's kind of how they kind of get around. Which I'm not. I'm not opposed to. Um, obviously, I'm not opposed to it. So they 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 put a lot of work into this, and they deserve monetary compensation. For yes, this. but they can't put it out on Steam or put it out someplace and say, "Hey, pay me money for this." Correct. That I made it. Correct. That's exactly. Now, same. for for all those wondering about legality, if this is actually a source port that is a reengineered, not from the original source, but recreating an engine in a different engine and using original asset files, it is a completely legal project. It is a completely yeah. legit, legal, you can do it project, period. Right, because there's, there's been plenty of projects out there that people have started and were just all intents and purposes, just were fans of the genre or fans of the game. And the parent company pulled the rug out from under and says, no, you can't do this anymore because this is RIP. Yeah, exactly, yeah. This is a legit copy of Diablo running on Android. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the copy of Diablo that I bought on good old games mm -hmm. running mm -hmm. on my Android because there's a source port called Devolution X, which is an open source recreation of the Diablo engine that takes the Diablo asset right. files that you have to have from the commercial game right. and plays them on another platform. And that is 100% legit so long as it's right. not done with stolen code. Yeah, because you have to have the legit copy of it before you can play it. Right. right. And there's a lot of games like that out there. Yeah. 
and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I'm, I'm just, there's, there's a lot of like projects. Reverse engineering is not a crime. Hacking yeah, is not exactly. a crime. Exactly. Um, but there's also a lot of projects, especially people who do things from Nintendo, mm-hmm. uh, who they start redoing things and like they'll, they'll rebuild Zelda in a unity engine or a unreal engine. Right. And then Zelda's are the Nintendo's like, Nope, ain't doing that anymore. Uh, do you know uh, why the Mario project hasn't been taken down yet? Because they have no legal standing. Oh, really? To take down the Mario project because because it was a clean room open source development project. Hmm. Um, they documented the entire source port project because they knew Nintendo would have a problem with it. But if you do what's called a clean room uh, source port, that is, you have access to no original code, mm-hmm. and you document your entire reverse engineering process, and then you can present that and say. We didn't use any of your code. Right. We simply read your game files. Yeah. Which is legal. Uh, Nintendo would have no legal resource so long as they never distribute uh, any original Nintendo assets. Mm-hmm. And by recreating the source code and requiring uh, users to have their own files, their own legally obtained ROM file, which I'm sure right. all of us do. Of course, we all have um, Then there's no legal recourse. Right. Same with the Zelda 64 recompilation project. Mm-hmm. Same with Devolution X. Same with yeah. uh, eDuke 32, which is the Duke yeah. Nukem 3D engine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no problem with any of those. Those are, those are great. Right. Those, those are, are all things. open source yeah. and completely legit. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I'm just, there's, there's a lot of people who don't do those things and they get the rugs pulled out of them because they yeah. didn't do it the right way. And then people get excited about it and they're like, nope. One of the gonna happen. one of the biggest things uh, that Nintendo has taken down and and they've been on the the end of controversy for, rightfully or wrongfully so, this is this is going to be a split opinion, but the law is pretty darn clear. Uh, Pokemon fan games. Yes, I've heard of those. Before, um, yeah. and so here's the deal with those: if someone were to take Pokemon Red, the original mm-hmm. Pokemon for Game Boy. Pokemon Red, Pokemon Blue, reverse engineer it so you could read the original ROM file and play it on a modern system uh, and then add graphical enhancements to it based on the assets that you pull out of the original ROM. Uh, Add VR support, add this, add that. That would be legit. The problem is all of the Pokemon fan games have been 100% recreations of Nintendo assets, including distributing Nintendo copyrighted property. Right. If you, you if you build a game and you put Pikachu into that game, mm-hmm. and that Pikachu asset did not come from a fan who had a legally obtained copy of Pokemon Yellow, you were in violation of using Nintendo's trademarks. Um, it's as simple as that. You are not allowed to distribute, reuse, reproduce, except like that's. That's the that's your title of copyright yeah. law. Um, however, when you get down into the game engine and you're recreating the engine and the in-out functions of the engine right. that is simply reading Nintendo assets, that's where you have a legal leg to stand on. Yeah. Yeah, because you can't... The, the people who have this can't run it without 
having the without the having asset, legally obtained the assets, assets through yeah, normal exactly. means. Correct. You're not you're not distributing any of their assets. On, you can distribute it, your own code. You cannot distribute assets or code from the parent company. Correct. Yeah, and that's how they're getting away with this. And and it looks. And I encourage you guys if if you're ever fans of the Data Outcast, um, just take a look at the project. It looks amazing. It looks great. Uh, I'm looking forward to trying it because I was a big fan of the game when it came out. And I oh, even totally. replayed it like. I think I replayed it uh, about five years ago. I replayed it. Yeah, I think that's about my last replay too. Yeah, yeah, that was. I, mean, I even enjoyed it back then, and it. Yeah, it felt a little dated, but I still, I still had fun playing it. In fact, well, I think I th that's all. I think, I think I'm just going to join that Patreon right now. Yeah, it's a good idea. Well, you can do it now. I can just wait till Friday. Because <laughs> I, I know, I know, I won't be able to even play it. I'm going to support it because yeah. I like oh, projects no, like yeah. this. Okay. I'm now a patron of the Jedi Outcast VR Fan Remaster. It does look really good. Yep. So if you have a good VR setup and you're a big fan of the of that game, I would highly recommend it. All right. Uh, it's a 512 megabyte zip file. Boy, I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know. Oh, no, sorry. Can... 1.5 gigs. 1.5 oh, gig. Okay. Right. It does look they upscaled a lot of the textures. So. And they may have. Um, and as long as they're including their own textures, but they're reading the original assets, yep. that's okay. That's okay. Yep. All right. Uh, we got like 10, 15 minutes left. Yeah. We don't have much more to talk about. If anyone has any questions, comments, right. concerns, good of the order. Uh, Andrew, uh, good old Mr. Green, sent over a $2 super chat that I missed. Uh, Tunic is a new Zelda-like indie game, and it's very good. Uh, I bought Tunic. I haven't yet played it. I'm hoping to play it on one of my handhelds, because I feel like that's where it would play best at. Uh, but yeah, uh, I have it. Have you heard of Tunic yet, Steve? I actually have not. When he mentioned it, I looked it up, and it does look like something I would like. Yeah, it's um, it's very reminiscent of, um, like Link to the Past. Yeah, kind of. What it looks like to me. Kind of isometric uh, yep. Zelda type gameplay. Yeah, it was funny because um, both my son and uh, John's son, Jace. They're they're big into Zelda right now. Like mm -hmm. uh, for some reason they just love Zelda. Uh, and um, so I showed them the original Zelda. It's like here's the original Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> and and um, they had zero interest in playing that whatsoever. They, I mean they were kind of interested because oh they heard the song they instantly recognized the song. Yeah. And they're like oh this is Zelda and I'm like okay you can try it. And they like moved like three screens and like nope. I'm done. This is I don't want stupid. To, this is dumb. <laughs> right. Right. And I'm like, all right. You're like, how dare you? That's like, that's the original, man. That's what you yep. got to deal with. Uh, we do have a couple questions already rolling in. Uh, Tan May okay. wants to know, which I think I've said Tammy a number of times, but Tan May. Uh, I finally read it correctly. There's an N and then an M. 
Uh, craft computing, any advice for video SEO? That's search engine optimization. Yes, um, I have a little bit of black magic that I do without resorting to like a dozen hashtags at the end of the video uh, because F hashtags. Um, yes, uh, I will often in the course of a video title and description refer to the topic of the video in as many different forms of nomenclature as I can. What I mean by that is let's say I'm doing a video on the Steam Deck, okay? Uh, Steam Deck is two words. It's a capital S, capital D, Steam Deck. Uh, some people type it as one word, some people type it as two. Mm -hmm. What I need to do is figure out as a creator, as a video maker, what mm. people are going to search for and include those terms into my review. So in the same two paragraphs or video title or combination therein, I might include five different ways of, stames, of saying Steam Deck. Steam Deck and they're never yeah. the same. And everyone's like, hey, you're not consistent in your title. And I'm like, I know, that's on purpose. It's so people will find the video. Uh, because yeah. no one gives a crap about what I write. They give a crap about what I film. Yeah. Um, and so I do the same thing for any variant of Xeon processor. Sometimes I'll refer to a Xeon as a 2650. Sometimes it's an E5-2650. Sometimes it's an E5-2650 V2 with the V without a space. Sometimes it's a, it's a space, space and then V2. Sometimes yeah. it's, uh, you know, and so you, inside of your video, inside of your description, when you're writing your description and you should write at least a paragraph or two about what your video is about, um, include all of the different ways that you would possibly type out the thing that you want to be searchable. Um, and that's what I find gets the most results. Uh, let's see, how's Baby X and the rest of the family? They are all doing very well. Uh, nothing we to complain about. Chat. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I've got a couple questions. Okay. I'm, I'm getting through. I'm getting through. Um, welcome to the dark side, Jeff. <laughs> Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern, Baba Booey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice family guy reference, by the way. Peter. Uh... Well, that's, that's a Howard Stern reference originally. Right. Yeah. Right. And then, then it was family guy. Yeah. It was, was Baba like... Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern's penis, Baba Booey. Yeah. That was, that's directly from family guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the Baba Booey part was from, yeah. Right. Uh, Howard Stern. Yeah. Uh, Techie, finally joined the Discord. Don't know why I didn't do that sooner. I've been wondering that myself, honestly. But you, you were so good in the Super Chats, I didn't want to break that streak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to have you, though. Welcome yeah, on in. For Super Chats. Oh, the net guy. We got net guy. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, have you pre-ordered the Ein Loki or the Loki Pro? Uh, not yet. I am in talks to get one though. How's that? 